Hey, fitness fans, ready to crush your fitness goals? Make your move to EOS Fitness, where becoming a member starts at just $9.99 a month. Gyms are open 24-7 and packed with the latest gym equipment to keep your workouts fresh. What are you waiting for? Give them a call, drop by, or hit up jefffenster.com forward slash EOS to join. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. Now, let's get after those goals. They unwrap the present, but they never fully use the gift that's lying inside that present. You're fully invested. When you're in the moment, you don't manage time, you manage focus. Except the fact that you're going to piss people off. If I had to say somebody that was really selfish for me, it would be... Welcome to the show, Tim. It's been a long time, Jeff. We've been trying to do this for a long, long time. It has. I mean, yeah. even longer since we... I think we met via phone a couple of years ago and we've been trying, but even longer. I mean, it was nine years ago. I just looked back at, at when I read Relentless for the first time and got exposed to you and your approach. And I'll be honest, you are my favorite author. And I don't just say that because you're sitting here. Thank and, you. But not for the reasons most think. I don't care that you worked with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and your past is amazing. You were the first person that gave me permission to be myself and, and solved a personal vulnerability and a personal insecurity that I had. And so normally we talk a lot about success formula on the show, but I'm going to use this time with you because I want to actually dig into the areas that changed my life. And also, you know, not when I say changed my life, I'm being honest. You gave me permission to, to feel okay being a way that others never made me feel comfortable. Better than okay. We, you know, that's what I said. People just accepting yourself and understanding who you are is a first level of okay. Then you have to take it to, an, then you have to continue to take it another level, another level. If you stop at okay, you'll never get to the level of success that you've, that you've achieved and you want to continue to achieve. But, you know, when we talked about relentless, one of the things that everybody said was, you didn't tell us what to do. And I said, exactly. Relentless didn't tell you what to do. It gave you permission. It did. It gave you permission to be yourself. Yes. And to accept the fact that you're going to piss people off. You're going to make sacrifices that you don't, society says are not okay, to achieve the pinnacle of greatness, the best version of yourself. Yes. I used to get told all the time, you're too fanatical, you're too, you're too one laser focused on a goal, and you don't pay attention to balance. And it used to make me feel really bad because I felt like I wasn't being fair to my friends and my group and I felt uncomfortable like a fish out of water. Right. Now, why can't I be okay sitting on a, on a beach on a Saturday drinking beers and not thinking about what I'm working on? Why can't I do those things? So I want to ask you, how do you handle when someone's asking you about balance? And obviously the word balance to me is a bullshit word, but coming from your line of work and what and who you've been around, how do you address that balance issue in life? This is very easy for the audience. I'll tell you right now, there's a hundreds of books out there on balance. All right. And everybody tells you, you have to find balance. You have to find balance. You have to find balance. First of all, you don't find balance. You create it. And it's different for each individual out there. The easiest way to describe it, there is no balance. There isn't. There isn't. Which so, is, it's true. There is none because if I'm going to be great as a, as a father, I'm going to have to sacrifice something at work. Yes. If I'm going to be great as a CEO or founder, I'm going to sacrifice something at home. But as a human, when you're coaching your clients and you're working with people, how do you address that issue? Because that is, there's a pull at home and there's a pull at work. Right. And you're always leaving one side of the teeter-totter 
and that and that's the key right there, what you just said, all right? So what's going to happen is people want the scales perfectly balanced. It's not going to happen, all right? Now what happens is when you try to find balance, somebody else is controlling how those scales teeter. When you create it, you control it. Sure. And that's the big, that's the big difference between giving yourself permission to be who you are. So when you try, when you create balance, you create it for yourself. You understand how the scales are going to be balanced, when they're going to tip one way, and when they're going to tip the the other way. You get to control. You never want them all the way up and all the way down. All right. Majority of the time, <laughs> sometimes it's going to be it's it's going to be that way, and you have to be okay. You have to be better than okay with that. Your support system, who you have in your life. Who's being selfish for you is extremely important for you to create that balance and for you to be able to be able to tilt those scales all the way on one side for a moment and then be able to and be able to bounce back and not be and not be judged. And not be judged or be okay being judged. And, and no, and not and not be and not be judged. You I have no when I talk about people talking about being okay with being, you're going to be judged. You're going to be judged. When I talk about not being judged, not from others, from yourself. Yeah. So what you what you were talking about earlier, think about it. You were like, man, my friends were this, my friends were that, all that. So now you started to judge yourself. So people worry so much about others, people judging them, other people. No, no. What happens is the biggest judgment you do, individuals do, is they start judging themselves from what other individuals have told them. Now they start to believe those things. And when they start believing those things, you get farther away from who you are. You get farther away from balance. You get farther away from you creating, from you creating happiness. You know, I use this analogy all the time. If you want zero love for the audience, raise your hand. No one's going to raise their hand. Said, Who wants zero success? Raise your hand. No one's going to raise their hand. Who wants zero love? Who wants zero money? Who wants zero happiness? No one's going to raise their hand. What's the number on a perfectly balanced scale? What's the number? The number on a perfectly 50. balanced scale. It's a zero right in the middle. Oh, zero. To zero. The number on a scale right in the middle, a perfectly balanced scale, is zero. Yeah, I don't want that. So what if you go in there and you want to balance everything, you know what? You you get average. You'll get what we taught what you said earlier. Okay. Yep. You'll have an okay business. You'll have an okay relationship with your kids. You'll have an okay relationship with your significant other. You'll have an okay relationship with your with yourself, all right. And if that's what you're striving for, then keep those scales balanced at the whole time. Keep them balanced at the whole time, and that's somebody else. And it's funny, all the individuals that tell you you need more balance in your life are the most unbalanced individuals out there, all right. They, they it's their own guilt they're pushing on to you because you're doing things they can't get over their own judgment of themselves about. They're like, man, look what look what he's pursuing. Look what he's done. And he's got a great relationship with his kids. And he's got a great relationship with his significant. How's he, how's he, how's he, how's he doing? You know, 
So what happens is instead of them coming to you and saying, wow, you did something I was never able to create for myself, they want to destroy what you created because it's about becomes about them, not about you. Their insecurity? Their insecurity, their lives, their guilt. So how would you suggest someone lead their life in the manner with which they're not in that zero balance? You just said it. Their life. Lead their life. You're so busy leading somebody else. You're so busy. Think about all the energy. I always say this. The energy that you spend being somebody you're not, whatever stage you are in your life now, think about if you took all that energy being something you're not, and you put into that who you actually are, how much farther you would be in your life, not somebody else's life. That's why I said when you have to have individuals that are selfish for you, you have those individuals around you that be like, no, no, that's who he is. I understand him. They're the individuals that, you know, hey, why are you slacking? You shouldn't be out. You need to do that. You need to be training. You need to be here. Uh, you, you, yeah. got, you know what? I got the kids. I understand. You got to go. I got them. Now. That doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. All right. But the reward system is when you live an unbalanced life and every successful individual out here who's been truly successful at whatever they achieved in life, it could be a... It could be a school teacher. It could be a bus driver. It could be an entrepreneur. Whatever it is, you can define your own definition of definition of success. They've all had these moments where things didn't balance, things didn't things didn't work out, but they had that other individual that that stepped in that was selfish for them. But what they also did was they understood moments. People don't understand moments. And what I mean by understanding moments is when you're in the moment of your business, you're in that moment. You're fully invested in that moment. That's your zone. When you're with your significant other, you're fully invested in that moment. And the mo people get the moments as... 30 seconds, a minute, whatever it may, whatever it may. No, moments take time. But the moments of balance changes. So your business might require eight hours of your moment. All right. The next day it may require two, and your family requires eight. And then on the other day, your kids. So all those moments require you to be present because that's how you create more time. You know, there's a huge difference. We, what we talk about is everybody manages time, manages time, manages time. When you're in the moment, you don't manage time. You manage focus because you can't be in the moment unless you're focused. Yep. Who's selfish for you? Who is selfish for me? If I had to say somebody that was really selfish for me, it would be my business partner and my agent. Yeah, she's like, 
she allows me to perform at the highest level. I can come in and do these things here because she handles all the other all, all the other nuances that I don't even know about. And you know, and she'll when somebody will come in and be like, "Can we get? We want Tim to do this, this, and this." She goes, "No, he's not doing that." She she already knows my she already knows my message because in order for me to perform at the high at the highest level. There's certain things I will do, and there's certain things I I, I won't I won't do. It's just like with all my athletes. I was the individual that was selfish for them, for the, my for my business clients. I'm the individual individual that is selfish for them. I have to, I have to be, I have to be. And it's very unique to find that find that individual in it. You know what's funny? Also, your kids will be selfish for you. Also, yes. They, they, they will. Your kids will be. My, my daughters are very are selfish for me. They, they understand. They let me like, you know what? I, I get, I, I get, I get that. I get, I get that. So what they do, they'll go like, hey, let me, let, let me talk to mom about. Let me talk to mom <laughs> about this. All right, but under when they do reach out in certain moments, I'm, I'm always, I'm always present and I'm focused. Present and focused. You know, here's the thing: when you talk. I use present in this in this scenario here. All right. When you're given a gift at Christmas time, your birthday, anniversaries, whatever it is, I don't do I don't believe in the the Valentines and all that stuff. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a big I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of you know that kind that kind of stuff here. We'll get into that <laughs> later maybe. But The thing about a present is most people, when they unwrap the present, they never, they unwrap the present, but they never fully use the gift that's lying inside that present. And when you have your kids and they give you those moments and you're present and you're present with them and they're present with you it's a gift that has to be unwrapped completely it has to be utilized it has to be appreciated so when somebody gives you a present and you unwrap it really understand the gift and when so you can the analogy of being present in a relationship, being present with you, being present in the moment, being present at a sporting event like my clients had to be, to be put them in the zone. The zone is a gift. The present is a gift, but only if you unwrap it and utilize it to its fullest extent. It's very hard to effectively do that sometimes, especially when- It's supposed to be hard. Otherwise, we'd all be doing it. Sure, of course. But when you're doing it, for example, I'm with my daughter at her horse show, but I'm neck deep in a business project, and I'm trying to be present, but my brain wants to be on what I'm really working on. Mm -hmm. How would you coach me to turn that off and stay focused and present at that horse show and with my daughter? So here's the thing, and another analogy that's going to really hurt that I hate out there. And I am not a big cliche person. I freaking hate cliches. I don't use them. I don't believe in them. 
I don't, I, I'm another, I don't believe in motivation either. All right, I believe in elevation. I don't believe in most motivation. Motivation is so entry, so entry level. If so entry level, but what you talk about here is everyone talks about a switch. Everybody talks about the switch, and you hear this in, in sports all the time. Oh man, he, he or she has the ability, or they have the ability to turn on the switch. There is no switch. There is no switch. Competitive individuals like yourself, like me. Like the top individuals you know. If you took this building, how many square feet do you have in this total complex and all the things? 100,000. 100,000. If you powered everything off, like you just killed everything, the amount of energy it would take for everything to come back on, a lot. A lot. All right. And you got people working here at all different hours and so forth. So, yeah. It's a dimmer. There is no switch. It's a dimmer. All right. And you get to control what what where that light shines on and where it gets dimmed on. The issue that you have, and everybody has it, all right, even the dimmer at its lowest point, it's still shining. It's still generating a little bit of energy. It's still generating a little bit of power, all right? So to answer your question, are you going to be able to turn it all the way off? Absolutely not. You're not. Because individuals like yourself, individuals like me, we have to be wound up. But we're so uncomfortable being unwound. And you know how many people, you know, when people talk about balance, they talk about the same thing. Man, you need to unwind a little bit. You need to relax. It's like the worst thing you can tell us. <laughs> it's like, I am relaxed. Yeah. I, I just relax in a different way than you, than, than you the relax. chaos is relaxing. Yeah. All right. So are you going to be 100% in that moment the whole time? No. But you can work on the scale. Say, you know what? I was there 80% time. Now I'm going to go to 82. Now I'm going to go to 90. And there will be times where you'll be just like, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. It's, it's a constant. That's something that's constantly evolving. That's something that constantly. And we beat ourselves about it all the time. So, you know, we were like, okay, well. I wasn't all I wasn't all the way there because I was th I was I was thinking about uh, about about this thing and I was thinking I was thinking about that thing, all right. That's who you are. That that's who you are. So people try to change when they when when we talk about give you permission to be you, all right. You're a unique individual. Every individual out there who's a you is a unique individual, all right. Because just because somebody else can sit at an event or sit at a concert or sit at something and be not think about anything else, that's not you. Yeah. It also, I struggle in those events because I genuinely can't wait for it to, to be over. To be over. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't share a whole lot of pers personal personal stories, but when my, I was, um, when I was working with Kobe, living in Orange County, 
My daughter still in Chicago. All right. Sixth or seventh grade. Uh, somewhere in that, somewhere in that thing. I used to train Kobe early in the morning. And I'd, I would know his schedule. Hey, everybody. Looking for great insights? Entrepreneur.com's podcast network is the place for you. Check out podcasts like Problem Solvers and Smart Passive Income for smart advice. Hear true stories on how success happens, financial updates on dirty money, deep dives with Behind the Review, and food trends on restaurant influencers. And don't miss my new show. It's all at entrepreneur.com forward slash listen. Let's start our success journey today. Go to the airport. This is when you could just go over there and buy a ticket. Just walk up the counter. I need a round trip ticket to Chicago. I would go to Chicago. I'd land at like 2.35. A volleyball game was at 4 o'clock. I'd go see a volleyball game. Back on at the 7.30. Back at 7.30. On a 7.30 flight. Because my client was waiting for me the next morning. There were many times I didn't even get a chance to speak to her during those times. But you were there. But I was there. I was there. She remembers that. Does she ever, did she, has she ever made comments to you about those situations like you weren't really there? Not, not once. Not, not once. And you know why? She didn't want to change dad. And now as they get older, they understand that drive. They understand that sacrifice because they get to see and be a part of everything that you've built. All right. They they get they get they get to see it. Now, in parenting, when I talk about being selfish, having somebody that's selfish for you. When you have somebody who's as driven as you are, if you have a family structure where you have an individual who can balance those needs at home while you're so unbalanced, then as the child grows and evolves and gets older, now you can balance more things for them. Mm-hmm. So now you get to be more selfish for your significant other. So there's a little, there's all, there's always a little trick. There's always there's there's a trick. Now, if that moment doesn't happen, or if only one person is winning, that's a different story. That's a completely different story. So when I was a kid, I used to strive to win at everything I did. You used to what? I'm sorry? Strive to win at everything I did. And I'd win, and I was never fulfilled. And I came to the conclusion that I kind of hated losing more than I enjoyed the taste of winning. And that's what drove me. But that also leads to a lot of unfulfilled moments. Because as soon as we won, what's next? Well, you won. That's a, that's a fulfillment right there. Your next, your next is, your, it's your, 
There's individuals out there that celebrate long. I I have this thing, celebrate hard, don't celebrate long. Otherwise, you will not be able to get to, you will not be able to celebrate again. You will not be able to celebrate again. All right. There's a thing about achieving something and the drive to what's next. What's next? You know, in the book Winning, we talk about, you know, everyone says, it, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. No, let me tell you this. Another cliche. Right. If you had infinite time in your life, then it's a marathon. Newsflash for everybody out there, folks. We ain't around here forever. We ain't. And if you know how that, how to change that, you're his next guest. <laughs> right? And I will be here to listen to I will be here to listen to that. So what it is, it's a it's many sprints inside a marathon of life where the winning line finish line is constantly changing it's constantly moving it's constantly evolving so every marathon runner that goes out there when they go out and run the next marathon what do they try to do they try to beat their time for sure then i like i'm not worried about the competition i'm not worried this was my time i want to beat it i want to i want i want to beat it i want to i need to do it better I need to do it better. I need to do. I need to do it better because at some point, it, from a physicality standpoint, we're not going to be able to do it. So it's a sprint within that marathon to continue to evolve, continue to get better, to continue, continue to evolve. There should be joy in everything you do. There should be. Listen, when you win, there's that moment of joy. There is that moment of joy. But again, for some individuals. That moment may last a lifetime, and other individuals, that moment may last 30 seconds. You know, you got to check. You know, you showed me a picture earlier of you and Kobe. I use this uh, analogy. Kobe played 20 years in the NBA, 20. He was champion five times. So 15 years he lost. I don't know how many, <laughs> I don't have a calculator out there, but if you were to take 20 years and give me the amount of days 20 years is, he was able to call himself a champion for five days. For five days. Yeah. Out of 20 years, he was a champion. Because the moment they won, the next year, Vegas had somebody else winning and that moment was like, I got to get back. I got to get back to work. I got. I got to get. I got to get back to work. Yeah, there's the parade and all, all, all these, all, all these other things and so and so forth. An interesting story that I've never shared with anybody else is, you know, before every parade, we worked out. I did not. Yeah. It wasn't like. Before every parade, there was a training session. There was there was, there, was, there was a workout. All right. So Chris Bosch had a story 
I think right after one of those championships and they were going to the Team USA and he wanted to be the first one at breakfast. And I heard him say this story. He said, I woke up early to be the first one. I was there. You were there. I was there. Kobe had already worked out and was icing his knees. Yeah, we were already done. Yeah. We were already, that was just, that was workout one. And he had just won the championship. Yeah. And Bosch had been, he said, I'd been off for a few months because we didn't. Yeah. And I was exhausted. Yeah. We 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 already won. We are we already won. He was already there. We were all, we were already done. So the length of moments. I have individuals that won championships fifteen years ago that are still celebrating. You know, you have individuals that you know that their pinnacle was high school. Yes, they'll, they'll That's be like scary. It is scary. You know, I I don't get invited to any of my high school reunion stuff or any of my college stuff. Because they're like, oh, man, no, we don't want Grover around because Grover's going to tell us <laughs> all the stuff. We, yeah, we just, and I'm not interested. If somebody says, you remember so-and-so from high school, I'll be honest with you. I said, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Well, that's a fear of mine, to have my best days yesterday. Yeah. I want my best day tomorrow. I yeah. work for that. You look at what it, MJ, Kobe, Wade, Tom Brady, Serena, Derek Jeter, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, the list just goes on that goes on and on. They always say they want to be remembered more for than just an athlete. Right. That's great. But if it goes, if that's all they were if that's all they're remembered for, they failed. Yep. They may have won in their particular endeavor during that time. But the time after, the moments that came in after all that, we failed. This is true for athletes on a team, and you dealt with this when you were coaching athletes, but you coach more, today you coach a lot of business owners. A and, lot of and business owners. Founders and entrepreneurs and leaders. The challenge for a lot of us is when you put a team together, your standard and your level of what you expect the team to deliver is different than the masses. Mm -hmm. Always going to be. It always is. And the ability to raise them up and not lower your standards to meet their level of completion. I have a thing in my house. We're not done when you can check the box. We're done when you can't possibly do it any better. Right. Doesn't always work. My kids don't always listen, but sure. that's what I'm pushing them. It's harder with adults. I'm not their parent. I don't get to tell them what to do. I get to drive them, set a vision, and go. How do you coach your current business clients when they're dealing with that in their team environment? Because as an individual contributor, like Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, he has a much bigger way to impact the outcome than in a big organization where you need all your departments setting remarkable as your standard. How do you coach? So I have this big thing with identity and style. I, I allow, I tell business leaders, I said, let every, and this is really important in today's society. You have to let each individual have their own style. Well, you look at all the teams, Shaq did his thing his way, Kobe did it his way, Wade did it his way, LeBron did it his way, MJ did it his way, Dennis definitely did it a different, <laughs> di different, di different way. But can you form one mental identity? Can you form one? And is that identity going to be at the same level for each individual? No, it's just it's just not. And that, as a leader, 
it will literally drive you crazy where you kind of say, man, I just, I need, why can't they get this? Why, why won't they do this little extra? You, you, you look at, when you talked earlier about Relentless, where it says it gave you permission to be you. You as a leader have to give permission to those individuals to be themselves. And you as being on top, how much of themselves can you tolerate and how much of themselves is invaluable to the team? No, if you expect everybody to be who, who you are and identify exactly, exactly the same personality traits, the same everything you have, you know, in Relentless, you know, we talk about the coolers, the closers, and the cleaners. You can't have a full staff of cleaners. Just, you just can't. You can't have a full staff of closers. You can't have a full staff of coolers. You as a leader, what you have to do is you take the, you take the model, all right? You take your business plan. You look at it. And if it's on your laptop, if it's on a board, if it's on a piece of paper, Break it into pieces. Just break it into pieces. All right? And have your key individuals. Because everybody, everything starts with broken. Everything starts with broken. There's not an individual in here that if you haven't had trauma and you haven't been broken at some point in your life where there's been an incident, you're never going to discover who you are. So now you let those individuals come in and let them pick up the pieces that are necessary for them and leave the other pieces on the ground. Because what happens is everybody, to, you break something, you, we've all broken something as a child and the parents say, pick it up. Or when you break something and they're not around and you try to pick it up and you try to piece it together again and you're like, ah, no one's gonna, no one's gonna, it's never gonna look, it's never gonna look the same. It's never, it's never gonna look the same. And what we want as leaders is we want everybody to look the same. Instead of allowing to, allowing the individuals to magnify their pieces that are unique to them, their experiences, their, 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 their knowledge. Understand, under, understanding that, having them understand that the times in their life where they were broken and they got a chance to pick up the pieces the way they wanted to pick it up is allowing them to be you. And you get to a point, uh, some, uh, some point in life where, where I'm at, I've been broken so many times, you can't break me anymore. You literally can't break me anymore. You can't. It's a good place to be. It's the perfect place to be. Yeah. But it took years and years of being broken, all right, and understanding, you know what? I need this piece. I don't need this piece. And when people, it's funny, when they get, when they get, when they, uh, when they try to put the pieces back together again, they're like, I want to be whole. You know what? No, you don't want to be whole. There are going to be some pieces that don't fit. That's when that individual who's selfish for you, that's when that significant other comes in and they 
fit those pieces. That's they're adding those pieces to you to make you complete, to make you whole. That's leadership. Mm-hmm. That's leadership. But you don't lower your standards. Never lower your standards. Never, ever lower your standards. All right? I say, we're never going to come, I'm never going to come down. All right? You have to, you have to come to my, you have to come to my level or as close to that level as you, as you can. All right? And it's because I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. You know, MJ in the last dance, winning has a price, leadership has a price. All right? Your price may be completely different than anybody else's, but I'm not lowering my standards. All right. You're at the point in your business, in your life. How old are you? 40. 40. All right. I don't like saying that, but 40. Uh, people come in and say, when you first got in the business, before you even got into this business, Everyone was telling you, raise the bar, raise the bar, raise the bar. All right. You know where the best place is to be? When there is no bar. Because when there is no bar, there are no limitations. Because every time you you have a bar, you're like, there's a limitation. There's a limitation. There's a limitation. It's like the four-minute mile. Throw the bar out. Yeah. There is no there, there 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 is no bar. Set unrealistic expectations and expect to achieve them. Unrealistic expectations and expect to achieve them. And then now you want to see if your team is all in. All right, they don't even have to say a word. When they look at the numbers, when you tell them, you can just look at them and be like. Yes, yes, no, maybe, yes, yes, yes. Uh, you, you could just, you could just, the people that come in and just say, you know what? Yeah. You have like, this is crazy. There's not, you already know. Now, now you know if that person is better suited for a cleaner position, or they're better suited for a closer position, or they're better suited for a cooler position, or they're not suited for a position at all. So do you, you do advise having coolers on the team? Yeah. You have to have cool. You have to have coolers on a team. Coolers on the per is the individual that is going to show up every single day at the same time. They're going to do exactly what you tell them. They're the ones that exactly what. Dut, dut, they're going to do it. Don't, they're not going to do anything more. They're not going to do anything less. They're consistent. They are consistent. I asked one of my athletes a, a years ago, and who used to drink a lot. I asked him, "How's your drinking?" He goes, "Consistent." <laughs> okay, you know. I wasn't getting him to quit. Yeah. I didn't want him to go up. I didn't want him to go down. He said consistent. So now I knew what mentality I was what mentality I, I, I was dealing with. Now you have to put the coolers in a in in a position where there isn't a whole lot that's required. Right. But everybody needs the everybody needs a basic. Now remember the understanding about this about a cooler. Just because an individual is a cooler in one thing doesn't mean they're not a cleaner in something else. Now, you got people that come to work and be like, they produce the minimum amount of whatever you tell them to do, they come in. And you go look at their homes, 
their relationships with their kids, they're cleaners in relationships with their with their kids, or they have a charitable endeavor and their or 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 their religious beliefs or something. So just because a person is a cooler in one thing, they'll be like they can be cleaners. In, they can be cleaners in something else. Inside a business structure here, you might have an individual who's a cooler at this position, but then when you shift them to something else, all of a sudden they're like, they just you just like what the hell that happened? It's like taking taking an athlete, taking a you know the NFL uh, in the NFL. This is this is very prevalent. They'll look at an individual. This this individual was extremely successful at this certain position in college, but then they come into the NFL, they move them to something completely different, and that person's career just like yeah just just takes just takes off. So you as a leader is having the ability to see those things in those in those individuals and being able to take those pieces and, and, and move them around. When I talked earlier about that broken piece uh, is you as the leader now have to find that piece that completes that individual. Hey there, it's your host, Jeff Fenster, and I have something very exciting to share with you today. You know, here on The Jeff Fenster Show, we're all about growth, both personally and professionally. Speaking of growth, have you ever heard of Everbull? As the proud founder of Everbull, I can tell you firsthand that we're on a mission to help everyone unevolve, to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. Imagine stepping back into a world where everything you eat is fresh, nourishing, and packed with nutrients. At Everbull, we've got you covered with our wide range of superfood bowls. But it's not just about the food. It's about a community of like-minded individuals who are determined to embrace a vibrant, fulfilling lifestyle. Join us on this journey as we redefine what it means to be healthy and active. So if you're ready to unevolve and be the best version of yourself, head over to everbowl.com and check out our menu. That's my responsibility. That's your that's your response that's your responsibility or whoever else it is. It's like, "Okay, you know what? Yeah, you know, mm. that's why I said you don't want when a person is broken, if they come back whole, they're coming back exactly the same. I want you to leave some pieces. I want you to leave some pieces down. Now this is where the trust factor comes in with another individual. So do I trust my leadership team enough to allow that individual to fill that piece for me? MJ won six championships. He didn't hit the game-winning shot on all six. Paxson? Kerr. Kerr. All right. Kerr did the keynote at my when I graduated college at U of A and talked about that moment. Yeah. And he said, you know, he's turned it in this, in into those things. And you look at Steve before he got to the Bulls. Steve's career was almost done. Yeah, it, it, it was it was almost done. Now he came in. He came in as a he came in a, as not a completely broken player, but you know, somewhere broken. All right. And he picked up the pieces, and the rest, Phil Jackson, and the and the rest of the team, and Scotty, and MJ, and Dennis, and all of them. Put those little pieces in those in those individuals that allowed him to not only be excel at basketball, excel as a general manager, excel as a excel as a coach. No, so just no one no one would call from a skill standpoint. No one would call Steve a cleaner as a basketball player, even though he had cleaner moments. Sure, All right. He's a cleaner coach, for sure. Yeah. 
<laughs> for for sure. He's a modern day Phil. Yeah. So you look at those di- those different things. That's what I talk about. You just you just when you look at somebody, you're like, yeah. Don't be just like you don't want. Just like you judge yourself, remember other individuals are judging themselves also. And now when another person starts, when they know other people are judging them also, their judgment on themselves grows even more and more. Now you, now you as a leader start to lose that, start to lose that person. You start to lose that person. So the audience of the show a lot of them are aspiring to achieve that level of greatness. And there's a major blockage that I have found through talking with a lot of these folks. And that is that they think that because they do all the right things, they should win. And that life's not fair. Winning should be fair. That if I outwork you and work 20 hours and I try to explain to them, life's not fair. It's meant to be an equal opportunity, but that's the fairness, not the result. You talk a lot in your book about the price of winning and winning is not fair. No. How would you, what would you say to them when you hear those excuses directly? That, Tim, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I'm not getting the result. I didn't win. Working hard does not guarantee success. A lot of individuals in life work hard. Are you working hard at the right things? All right. Life is not going to be fair. Winning is not going. Winning is not going. Winning is not going to be fair. If you're looking for things to be fair, you've already lost. You've already lost. So, because what's happening is, when you are working hard, when you said you did everything out there. And it wasn't fair. You started with the wrong language. So what you did was you already moved the finish line closer to you. All right. You already, you're in your mind, you were like, there's seven steps to winning. There's eight steps to mental toughness. Well, you forgot what happens when those steps are no longer there, when those steps give out, when you can't see those steps. You're looking for that clear, you're looking for that clear, you're looking for a clear path. And there is no path. There literally is no path. There's formulas. There are ingredients. But when you look for fair, you look for the same formula and same ingredients that everybody else is putting into it. The people that break those barriers, that sometimes win over you when you did the exact same thing over and over again. They added something unique to that ingredient. They added something unique 
to that formula. In your franchises, there's something unique that separates it from everything everything else. There's something that's, this, this is part of my identity. This is part of who, who, I, who I am. That's why you win. The next person here is if you're looking for fair, you're looking for everything to be, you're looking for everything to be equal. Well, what is equal? That means you're next to that. It's the same. Yeah, mediocre. Yeah, it, it, it's, the, it's the same. So when you try to copy things exactly how somebody else did it over and over again and you lose your ability for your instincts to trust you, to be able to understand what, I, what do I need to add? What's unique to me? What's, what's different about wh- what, what I do? And not, be afraid, and not be afraid to show it. Now you start to se- separate yourself. Now, is that going to guarantee a win? Absolutely not. All right, nobody worked harder and longer than my clients. We talked about Kobe, 20 years. I wasn't with him for 20 years. If it was just about putting in the work, if it was just about putting in, um, putting in the hours, the sweat equity, the mental toughness, all, all this thing that, that you would describe, the health and so he should have been twenty for twenty. He had one of the best. He had he had the w- w- arguably one of the most dominant players, big man ever to play, with Shaq. They didn't win every single year. So your expect your expectate your expectations. aren't always going to be included in those formula and ingredients because everybody has expectations of greatness greatness everybody has expectations of of winning everybody has expectations of be, of being of being the best i tell you the one thing you can do for everybody in the audience this is real this is really this is going to be real easy When you didn't win and you didn't get something that you worked really, really hard for and you talk to an individual, and I always know this when an individual says, man, I tried my best. I tried my best. And I said, did you try your best or did you do your best? There's well, a difference. It's a huge difference. And that's that's where all the gold is. Right there. All right. Because if you try your best, you leave yourself an out. You leave yourself an out. Mm-hmm. And accepting when you didn't do your best. Yeah. Because we I mean, can't always do our best. Right. So, but every single time, if you come up to me and said, man, I did my best, or when I asked an individual... And you say, did you do your best? And then they look at me and they're like, you know, actually I didn't. Or, you know, they walk away and sometimes, man, F you, Tim, you know, oh, okay. There's a huge difference. It's, when people ask a question, they usually know the answer. 
you know, and everyone talks about you. Another another thing that we hear all the time about, you know, you got to look at yourself. You got to look at yourself in the mirror. All right. It's what you don't see in the mirror. That's the difference between doing your best and trying your best. It's what you're not. It's not most people aren't willing to really see that that individual because now that individual is not. They are not going to. They're not going to lie to you. And they're flawed. They are not. They are. They are one hundred percent flawed. We are one hundred percent flawed. You have. <laughs> when you start looking in, when you start looking into the mirror, and you're like you're trying to look at yourself and you're trying to look at the, these different things. You're dealing with ghosts that don't exist because you're like, oh, I don't see anything here. This is this is for... When you start to look in that mirror and you look really, really deep, you start to deal with the ghosts that actually do exist. The skeletons. The ones that you hid away. The ones that you didn't want to deal with, the balance that you taught that you talked about, not being able to be always in that in that in that moment, understanding. Most people take those skeletons. Most people take those ghosts and they try to push them in that closet. They try to push them in that closet, and when you start pushing them in that closet. You, you become you become farther farther away from who you are and people try to you know when they try to hide stuff in their closets or they don't want they don't want to deal they, they don't want to deal with the ghost that actually exists those are mo- those are some of your most po- powerful tools and they're just sitting in the closet ca- gathering dust over and over and over again you have to bring all of you because you never know what you what you're going to need in that particular particular situation, and if half of you is sitting in the closet that you've locked up in there, and a certain situation arises or a certain competitive competition arises, and competition is coming, another adversary, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, all right, you may need that skeleton because that skeleton knows exactly who you are. It knows everything about you. Everything. Everything. All right? And it'll be like, come on, dude, come on. I can help you with this. Yeah. I-, I can help you with this. And you're like, It's an no. uncomfortable place to go. It's, <laughs> it's a very uncomfortable place to go, but. That's where every, success comes. Every, everybody knows that, Everybody knows you have to be, you know, you got to put yourself in uncomfortable, uncomfortable situations. You know, you think my, you think my guys, my athletes want to have me show up after they've played 40 plus minutes in a game or whatever they've done and say, hey, come on, let's go. Or a CO's had a, had a bad day at, whether it's in his personal life or at work. And I said, open up. I need to know what the hell happened. You know, I, cause if you're not honest with me and you're not honest with yourself, I can't. I can't help you. I, I can't help you. And most, you know, you talk. Everyone likes to tell you how great things are. All right. Well, then you don't need me. All right. Then, then when you start to walk out the door, I'm like, okay, it's the shortest meeting. Thank you. And they'll be, oh, well, I, I want to talk to you about something. But 
Now we start. Now we start to figure out things because the individuals I deal with are majority of them are extremely successful already. So right. I don't, I don't have to motivate them. Right. It's this isn't about motivation. This isn't about you know you got to go get it. You're gonna crush it. You're gonna do all. They'd be like, yeah. I, here's a YouTube channel. Watch this. Here's a nine minute clip. You can go go ahead go ahead and watch and everybody telling you about you got to want it and how motivated you are and discipline. They know all those things. Oh, because that's the that's when the race starts. Uh, if you don't have that, you're not even in the race. That's that that's a prerequisite. Yeah. That that's like taking that's like taking a test to get into. That's like taking your LSATs or whatever it is. To if I got that wrong for the lawyers, I apologize. That's LSAT. out there. All right, that to get into law, it's a pre it's a prerequisite. So like if you're coming to me with prerequisites, you're so far away from winning it doesn't even it doesn't even matter. You know what's actually what I loved about law school, speaking of that, is my first year of law school, it's on a curve basis. So if there's a test, 10, 10 questions, and you let's say 80% of the class gets nine out of ten, and I get eight out of ten. In traditional school, that's a B. Yeah. I pass. In law school, that's an F. It's curved. I'm competing against you, not the results, not the materials. And that changes everything. Everything, because now you're not just my friend in class; you're you're my adversary, and it's who knows the information better. That's it. Well, that's, that's it. And people forget. People forget a lot of times. Listen, winning matters. It matters. All right, it it it, it matters. It's all. It's it's going to matter in life. All right, not things are things are never going to be fair. It's not going to be fair. The more you win, the more you're going to be criticized, the more you're going to be respected, the more you're going to be talked about, the more people are going to look at you different. Listen, winning makes you different. Winning makes you different. It does make you different without a difference. And you know what different does? It scares people. Different scares people. It really, it really, it really, really does. All right, you get individuals now that look at you and say, man, there's something different about you. There should be something different about each individual. When somebody says there's something different about you and it's in a positive way, or you know there's something different about you, that means they, they, they've noticed. Yeah. They, they've noticed. And then what happens is people don't like different. They like to stay in the middle, they like to stay. They like to say they like to stay consistently the same because it's comfort. Is that is that why it is? They don't like different because it forces them to self-examine why they're not doing. One hundred percent. You look at the. It, it, so what happens is when when others try to make you feel guilty, it's not about you. It's about them. No, when somebody when somebody says, "Man, like when they go." Like you said earlier, man, you work too much. You're too focused. You need to relax. You need to take a vacation. Your thing is that you 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 need more balance. It's their guilt that they're trying to put on you to make themselves feel better. It's got nothing to do. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with you. What happens is you've become different, and that different is scaring that individual here. So now we need to bring. I don't want to be a part of this horror movie. <laughs> I, I don't because what's gonna. You know what's happened. Your difference is gonna kill me. 
I'm gonna be the first one that's gonna end up dying in this horror uh, in this horror in this horror movie. All right. So what can I do to stay alive? Bring me down. There you go. All right. Yeah. So you talk about in Relentless, and you talked about Kobe Bryant and his ability to have an alter ego and go to a dark place. I don't want to talk about Kobe Bryant because actually what I've never heard from you is your dark place that you have to go to to coach these high-performance, highly successful individuals because for them to respect you, I never you have leave to it. have that same. I never leave it. You're there 100% of the time. I leave there. I visit. I'm not there 100% of the time. The road to paradise starts in hell. All right? You have to take that bus ride, that walk, that crawl, that flight, whatever it may be, back to hell consistently. All right? Because here's the thing. If hell comes visits you and it visits a lot of people, it's not going to leave. It's you. So, it, and your hell is what's, what you're willing not to acknowledge. You're not willing to acknowledge who you are, what your darkness, what your darkness is, what fuels you. The reason I take that trip on a daily basis is because each time I take that trip, I don't have to stay there as long. I don't have to stay there as long. I know what I have to deal with. I know what I have to talk to. I know the skeletons I ha have, to, have, to, have to deal with. I know the ghosts that I have to deal with. I know the spirits that I have to deal with. And I get to leave, but I take that trip. I take that trip often, very, 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 very often. All right, your new beginnings. Every single new beginning that you've done, and you've done a lot of them, have started in your darkest moments. In your darkest moments, you know I've used this adage many times with with individuals now. All right. When does a new day start? It starts at midnight. All right? Is it light or dark at midnight? It's dark. It's dark. So if a new day starts at dark, at dark, where do you think your new beginnings start? In the dark. In the dark. In the dark. Well... When you're in, when you're in that room by yourself, when you're in silence, and you could be, you could be at a concert with sixty thousand people screaming. All right, and your mind goes to that dark place, and you're, that's where your breakout moment comes in, right there. All of a sudden, it, it, it just, it, it just, it just, it just happens. All right. Majority of the people, you know, as long as you don't have any physical ailments with your eyes, everyone can almost see in the light. Everybody can see in the light. All right. But in the dark, 
you can't see. You got to feel and you got to trust. So when you have to feel and trust, what's the two things? All right. Trust is from your mind. So you got to trust what's up going on in here. Feeling is in your heart. Now you have control over the two things that you've given control to other individuals. And you can only get control of those in the dark because you can't see anybody else. And most people run in the, when they're in the, when they see, when you're in your darkest moments, all right, there's, you know, there's, there's dark, then there's darker, then there's darkness, then there's darkest. You'll see an individual will follow you to maybe one. You might have few other individuals that may follow you in two. When you get to that, the darkest place, it's just you. It's just you. It's your thoughts, your actions, your heartbeat, your feelings. That's going to allow you to be able to see what's really out there for you. Not what everybody else has got planned for you, what everybody else thinks about you. So if you take that trip back and forth consistently, your mind and feelings adjust to that darkness so much quicker. Is that what makes you unbreakable at this point? Yeah. And do you have a you for you? Do you have somebody who can help you when you get those blocks? Do I have somebody who can help me when I get those blocks? Um, I'm I'm an introvert, all right? You know, people see me speak on stage and so forth, but the one person I'm an extrovert with is myself. I have more conversations with myself than any other individual. I have a setup in my house where I have two chairs, all right, about this far distance apart, all right, I'll sit in one chair, I'll, have a con- I'll say something, I will literally get up and walk into the other chair and reply, get back up. Because if I can't trust myself, if I can't rely on me, if I can't have honest conversations with myself every single, every single day, if I can't have honest conversations with my skeletons, if I can't have honest conversations with my darkness, if I can't have honest conversations with, 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 with my feelings, and they're not long conversations. These aren't things that I have to, <laughs> I got to schedule meeting, the meeting times for. Right. No, this is not something that's in, that's in, that's in my calendar. No, it's not when people call, call you up to, they call you up to, they call you, they, they call you, they have meetings to have meetings. This is like, no, this is something that, that, ha- that has to happen and it happens and you start to being able to like, you know, at many times you have to be, you have to be that individual. Do I have, do I have allies that I can reach out to? Yeah, not many, 
But there, there, there's a, there's a few. Because the way I think, the way I act, the way I feel about certain things and what other individual individuals say, it does intimidate a lot of individuals. Yeah, it it it, it, it does. It does. I'm that. I'm a very unique acquired taste. Well, that's what winning is, though. That's. That's what it is. That's what winning is. That's it. No, it's not. It's everyone. They think it's everybody. Everybody wants to win. But the pressure and the mental health that comes with winning, very few understand that. Well, the, they don't understand the cost. Yeah, they hold it right, and the cost is your mentality. Yeah, the cost is your time. The cost is your feelings. The cost—it's it, you can't explain it. You know, you try to tell people that you try to tell people that you know you're not in the mo- you're not in that. I, I was at my you know I was at one of my daughter's recitals or whatever it was. I couldn't I I I I, I did everything I could to be focused. I I just I wasn't I wasn't there. I I, I, I I wasn't there, but those are the those those are the things. That's the cost of winning. That that is, and people don't want to talk about it because they're like they did the same thing, but now they're like they don't want you to do the same thing because they're like, wait a minute, because they don't want to give you the ingredients, they don't want to give you the formulas, or it makes or it makes the, or it makes them look bad. Oh, well, winning will cost you everything but we will reward you with so much more. It's going to cost you everything in that moment, in those moments over and over, but it's going to reward you with so much more. People want the rewards first. No. You don't get the re- you don't get the reward you don't get the rewards first. You don't you don't get the rewards first. You get the regrets. And those st- and the regrets stay with you longer than the wins will. Yeah. Do you get? Do you ever have to explain to some of your clients, not the Kobe's and Jordans, but the other clients, they're not prepared for the cost of winning? Yes. And have to retool them. Stop yeah. trying to win because you're not gonna. You're not prepared you, for that cost. You're not even. You're not even. You're not even close. It's just like that. <laughs> I always ask individuals. I said. What's your definition of all in? You asking me? What? I'll ask you. Yeah. What's your definition <laughs> of all in? All in is the only thing that matters is this mission, and I'm willing to sacrifice every single thing else to achieve it. All right. Perfect. That's a great answer because you know what I get usually? Early mornings, late nights. Being misunderstood, being my own chair, being my own cheerleader. All right, I said those are prerequisites. Yeah, that's the standard. That's like you got to be kid. You got to be kid. You got to, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I said, I said. So it's just like, yeah, we got now. What we now we now what we got now what we got to do is that we literally have to rewire. Everything and most people aren't willing 
to be rewired because the shock to the system of taking those wires and putting them in uncomfortable situations and putting them in different things and not knowing if the electricity and the juice is going to the right right areas at the right at the right times because we got to constantly shift them all the time. People are like man, this is this is this is this is too much. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about the mental health of success, the mental health of winning. Because everybody looks at oh, Jeff, wow, Jeff, look what you've done. You got all these franchises. Look at all these businesses. Da da da. All this all, all this other stuff, man. You you have you have you have it all. All right, and everybody can relate to the mental health of somebody that's not not doing not doing not doing well in life or have something, but they don't understand the mental health and mental pressure of success. That's why a lot of people don't they don't want to win over and over again. They won't win once. Yep, They'll it's not one. worth it to do it again. It, it's not it's it's not worth it to do it again because the price to do it again is so much more significant than you did it the first than you did it the first time. It's very lonely. Very winning lonely. is lonely. Ve- winning is all. Success is lonely. Forget about just winning. Success is lonely. Excellence is lonely. Excellence is lonely. Success is lonely. Win- winning, winning is lonely. It is. You look at every athlete, right? and even every CEO has had this. Every all my CEOs, all my top business people have had this moment, right? When they've won something. And there's this you can find on YouTube and on Google, you can find pictures of every champion who was that person on their team sport or individual sport when they won, where there was a moment where they were just by themselves. They went into a corner and it was just them. All right. That's their dark place. They went to visit it and say, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So when you talk about that, that's when, that's the, that's the loneliness part. That's the ex, that's the excellence part. And people don't like to be lonely. Everyone talks about, yeah, oh, you know what? I can, uh, I can be by myself. No. All right. No. <laughs> All right. It's easy to talk. It's easy to say that. No. Yeah. All right. And here's the thing. Your most successful individuals, the ones that understand excellence is lonely, that success is lonely, that winning is lonely, they could be in a room with 2,000 people. And they're still alone. Yep. So when people talk about being lonely, or I could be by myself, they think you need to be in a room by yourself. No. That's easy. That's easy. When someone when you talk about it, you can be by yourself, you mean a crowded environment. The most loudest, most distracted place uh, distracted place out there. And you're still alone. Yeah. That's the price of excellence. That's the price of winning. That price must be paid. But as you said, the reward is so much more. It's so much more. People talk, all right, 
since you've had all the success, Jeff, how many more lives have you been able to touch? How many more individuals have you been able to help? How much more charitable have you been able to be? A ton. My mentor taught me young. If I don't make a lot of money, I can't help a lot of people. All right. If I don't do and exceed and be that successful, I can't inspire a lot of people. No one wants to learn from the guy who finished second. No yeah. one remembers him. That's, there that it is right there. All right. And then people ask you, <laughs> people always ask you, you know, you know, what's your why? All right. You already know it. Not do you know it, you did it. And you're going to do it over and over and over and over again. Because if you don't, if that war stops in your head, you're already dead. Yeah. It's the obsession. Obsessed with that experience. Yeah. Yep. You turned out what well, we talked about. You saw when we were walking up, when you were giving me a tour, I said, you said that was a hobby. I said, you turned your hobby into an obsession. Yes. This was supposed to be a hobby. This was supposed <laughs> to be, this was supposed to be a, and here's the thing. I'm going to tell you this right now. All right. And this will be my, my first coaching lesson to you. Please. You will never have a hobby. You're too obsessed of a person to have a hobby. Yeah, you you get bored with hobbies. I do. It's all in or zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is well, good that, and bad. Yeah. It has Laura, its negatives for sure. Of course. Everything has its negatives. Yes. Everything has its everything has its negatives. All right. But, I almost I, truthfully, me and my wife, we got into our biggest fight in our entire marriage over this company. Because when I did this, it was supposed to be a hobby. She said, Go do something. You don't and then she got she literally yelled at me. I was gone for three months working seven days a week. 12-hour days to start this thing and figure out how to run a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, Jeff, you're a millionaire working a minimum wage job while your kids are at home wondering where dad is. Get home. And right. I said, I can't until I figure out how to run this business. Right. And that was the closest we've ever come to having to rethink if our partnership and marriage was going to work. Yeah, well, listen, I... I'm no marriage counselor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no relationship. I'm no relationship expert. But this is the advice I give individuals that are in situations like yourself. Were you this way before you got before you met before you met? Yes. Now she expects you to change. I think she thought there would be. To your point, there'd be an enough. There's never enough. There's never enough. I said, what, what, and this goes both ways. What attracted you to each other? What she saw, what she, what she saw in you, how driven you were, how you wanted to actually make a difference, not just say you're going to make a difference. She saw something inside of you that like really like this is real genuine about that individual. You can't change that person now. Luckily that was six years ago, seven almost seven years ago, and she's now she we we, we recovered from that. Yeah. You know, but I'm just saying everyone has those moments, yeah. but okay. The price of winning. The price of winning. That's the that's the price of that's the price of success. When we talk about you just mentioned when you talk about loneliness, excellence is lonely, success is lonely, winning is lonely. There it is right there. Do you find 
because I have found this, and I'm curious if all of your other clients have found this. The first taste of winning is the sweetest, and then you're just chasing the dragon, and every taste of winning and success thereafter never feels or is never as good, but the cost keeps growing. The cost is going to keep growing, yeah. And, and he, here's the thing. You know what? It's not the t- – I'm going to put a little twist on, uh, on that one, okay. all right? You don't get – it's not the sweet taste of winning – it's you finally get the bitter taste of defeat out of your mouth. All right. Better said. So it's not that, you know, everybody said, man, the sweet smell, the sweet taste of mint. No, it's that nasty smell. It's that nasty taste that all the sacrifice, everything that you've done, all the time, all the focus, all the things away, that the bitterness that just like, man, this stuff is just terrible. It's terrible. That's the difference between that motivation pot where everything tastes good and it makes you feel good and it's that sugar high. And then over here is that elevation pot where everything is just, man, this is just stuff just tastes absolutely terrible. And you just, but you know what? You keep eating it because you see that you, you see what it fuels you. you it's, it's that fuel. There's the motivation pot you eat for taste, the elevation pot you eat for fuel. Yes, and then when you eat, then you finally like, you know what? I finally got that bitter taste out, out, out of my mouth, and then you go through hell every single time not to have that taste back in your mouth again. And the minute you start doing it, the minute you start to feel that taste again, this goes back to our first conversation about balance. The scales go just like this. I gotta throw. Nothing else matters right now. I got to get this taste out of my mouth. Yes. I have to get this taste out of my mouth. Yes. That's the three months away. Mm-hmm. Seven days a week, 18 hours a day. I'm starting to, yeah, you know what? That taste is coming back. Yeah, because success wasn't happening the yeah. way it was supposed to. It, it, it's, it's coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't do it. Tim, I could sit here all day talking to you. I reached out to you a few years ago for some coaching. Yes. And the timing didn't work yet but I'm glad I got you here today. Um, pleasure. It was an honor. I learned so much from you every time. If you haven't read Relentless and Winning, and I don't say this, you guys have known me, my number one book that everybody must read, and I bought one for all my executives, is Relentless. It is a book that will tell you who you are. It'll give you insight. You have had the privilege of working with some of the greatest competitors on the planet, and there are so many opportunities for us to learn from what you've gained and what you teach. And you know, it's funny, there's a common thing between Kobe and Jordan. His name was Phil Jackson. There's a second common thing. It's Tim Grover. <laughs> and I don't think a lot of people appreciate that. Having a coach and having someone who can help you through those darkest times, no matter how successful you are, LeBron had a coach. Kobe has a coach. Jordan has a coach. I have coaches. Everyone should have coaches. And you are a you are the true pinnacle of that. And so thank I want to thank you so much for coming today. Um, it's been an honor to have you. And I really appreciate the friendship that we have and the one that's going to continue to grow. And yes, I'm going to will. continue to lean on you and learn from you. And when I get to those dark places, I hope I can reach out and, and, and ask for help. Don't, without a doubt, without a doubt. Because you know why? It takes dark to understand dark. It takes dark to understand dark. And that is so true. And... To have these people in your life, you need to build that relationship capital. I do have a PDF that I'm offering for free. If you text Jeff to 33777, I will give you my Network to Millions playbook. It's free, no strings attached, and hopefully it will help you 
meet and, and surround yourself with more high-level people that can elevate you, not motivate you, but elevate you. That's one of the main messages I just learned today because there is, and I'm going to end on this, but there's so many people who spend their entire life listening to motivational videos like it's their Netflix, like it's their sitcom, just to feel good. You know what? This is how it is. Very simple for people. Difference between motivation and elevation. All right. Motivation is what you need from somebody else. It's somebody else is lighting your fire. They're control. They're controlling your thoughts. They're controlling your actions. They're controlling how you how, how you how you feel. All right. Elevation is what you demand of yourself. That's it. It's what you demand of yourself. You want more? Demand more. That's it. Tim, thank you so much. My pleasure, my friend. This was it's an amazing. honor. Thank you all for tuning in. I want to give a huge shout out to our amazing sponsor, Entrepreneur for partnering with us to help get this show to as many people as possible. Go check out our article on the episode at entrepreneur.com or by clicking the link in the show notes below. See you on the next one.